guys, welcome back. It's Alana and Jacqueline, and we're back for another episode of Black and Yellow. Hello, y'all. New year, new y'all. New episodes. <laughs> and if you are looking for a New Year's resolution, have no fear. There's still time to adhere to one. Yes, it almost rhymed. Almost. Almost. I'm not a rap star, but I am mm. in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, you are, girl. <laughs> you sure are. Well, if you are looking for a res. What about making your New Year's resolution to be ending any and all performative allyship that you may be displaying? Challenge. I, I know. Challenge. Yes. Challenge accepted. Let's. Why don't we talk about <laughs> question mark? Uh, what is? Can you explain to us exactly what that is? Because I don't think a lot of people know that term. Slash okay, cool. are aware that maybe what they're doing is even something along the lines of that. Okay, how about I kick with an example and then a definition? Kick it, girl. Awesome. Okay, sweet. <laughs> so I would say mid November of last year, that sounds crazy to say because that was literally like seven weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> but mid November of last year, um, little Miss Ellen Pompeo. Little we Miss know Ellen her Pompeo. Gray's Anatomy. We love her. Gorgeous lady. Uh, I don't know if the black community as a whole would say they love her. No, not after what she said. Right. Some do, some don't. Um, But Ellen Pompeo was shooting a video for Netta Porter alongside actresses Gabrielle Union and Emma Roberts and Gina Rodriguez. And she made a very white Shiro-esque statement Mm -hmm. that rubbed a lot of the black community the wrong way. The wrong way. Definitely, definitely rubbed uh, writer Monique Jenkins over at the root the wrong way. So this is what Pompeo said. She said, quote, This day has been incredible, she says, and there's a ton of women in the room, but I don't see enough women of color. And I didn't see enough women of color when I walked in the room today. I had a meeting with the director of another endorsement project that I'm doing, and I said, you know, when I show up on set, I would like to see the crew look like the world that I walk around in every day. And I think it's up to all productions to make sure your crew looks like the world we see. As Caucasian people, it's our job, she continued. It's our task. It's our responsibility to make sure we speak up in every single room that we walk into that this is not okay, and that we can all do better. It's our job because we've created the problem. I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking, like, wait, but she sounds so, like, woke, and, like, she just sounds so down. With she's, the like, totally supporting us, and, like, oh, my God, like, she's so sweet, and, like, she's, like, she's, like, she's, like, for a good cause, right? And full transparency, she does have a black husband and half-black children. Which... Go ahead. I see that finger in the air. Go ahead. You see it? I see it. It is. It's, it's up and ready to make a statement. What's up, there needs girl? to be like a like a witch meme. Witch. <laughs> which, which makes me think. We've talked about this before in our previous episodes. Where people who either wasn't there this this is this has happened before with I feel like another couple or someone of some kind of status in society uh, where they feel like they can or they should or like they fight for our cause because they are closely linked to someone of that cause. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And it's still... Well, totally forgetting that if that person, in this case, Ellen's husband, is not standing right next to her with those two half-black children, then she very much to the world is presenting as white. Yeah. And, and she's not necessarily even, <clears throat> excuse me, coming from... 
or talking about a specific example that happened between her and her husband. It just sort of seems like I'm going to preach about this and I'm going to be, you know, like this now. And it's not acceptable to a lot of people and especially black people. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Just because you're married to a black guy. like Right. For sure. So to answer your original question, performative allyship or performative wokeness, it's when you are doing something for showmanship or for credit. So in this particular situation, Ellen Pompeo was, like I said earlier, uh, saying all the right things in a very diverse space, while simultaneously it kind of felt like lip service. It felt like lip service. Yeah, it's like it's like before she went on that that report or that interview, her agents or manager were like, "Listen, you got to talk about this." You know, like you got like it was just like I don't know. It was like felt so forceful too. Well, right, and the reason that it felt loaded coming from Ellen Pompeo specifically is because two years ago she got into a Twitter battle with Morgan Jenkins, writer over at the Root. Oh yeah, black. Female. And other people on Twitter, and other too. other people on Twitter. Just the way she was responding to black people was... Yeah, she had used black emojis. And she got called for... And she was making some sort of, uh, you know, it was non-racist like, statement. But that, yeah. that, that sounds glib. I don't mean it to sound like that. She was saying something in solidarity of black people and used black emojis. And she got, like, dragged for it. And she got right. called out by a lot of African-American people. Morgan Jenkins specifically. And essentially the question is, why do you feel like you could you could use black emojis to prove your point? And she even said something along the lines like she was defending herself. And she was like, yeah, well, I like the color brown, too. Yeah. Or something just like... They engaged in a battle of words. Yeah. Those two. But also other black women chimed in. And it quickly spiraled out of control. It really did. The writer, Morgan Jenkins, went on record and basically said, you know, I had... I was harassed by white people for days after that incident between me and Ellen Pompeo. People essentially saying to me, you should just be happy that a white woman is standing up for your cause. You should just be happy that you have someone who's fighting for representation of your people. Uh, I believe that at some point in their Twitter war, Ellen Pompeo uh, cried reverse racism. And oh my god! So she had been called a white bitch, something like fifty thousand. Oh times yeah, and then and so t- and then so today, what do you call it? Like just really like snappy and sassy, unnecessarily sassy, you yeah, know? Because at the core, what happened and why people are like, "Ooh, Ellen Pompeo, you're questionable," is she did that very classic white woman thing of I'm trying to show my racial solidarity. How dare you, black people, come for me? You're turning this around. You're not understanding yeah. me. Yeah. I'm standing up for you, but yet you have the nerve to tell me that I'm not doing it right. right. Exactly. And that is just white privilege in a nutshell. A but also, like, the black community, we don't forget. No, of course not. We are the, a group of people that are like, cool, you, you want to be our ally? That's great. But first... Or we got to earn it, girl. Yeah, like, but first, Ellen Pompeo, you need to make amends for this thing that you did yeah. two years and ago. Because we're still feeling some sort of way about it. Absolutely. And just because you're married to a black guy and have half black and half white kids doesn't give you any, like, righteousness about this. Totally. You know? And I think... I, I read this article, I saw the video, and then I took a step out of this particular situation, which is small in the grand scheme of performative wokeness. And... Just felt like we should revisit this topic, mm-hmm. mainly because it is a new year. 
Everyone's getting into a new habit. And I think that we are living, because we're living in the era of Trump, there is a lot of white people saying, don't lump me in with those white people. Those are not my kind of white people. I don't agree with them. Mm -hmm. Please don't mix the two just because I'm white. I don't think, you know, that doesn't mean that I voted for Donald Trump and put him in office. These are the same white people that like to say things like, ugh, white guilt, so embarrassing. Or, oh, white people are the worst. Or white people suck. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. As a way of being like, we stand with you. I'm a white person who stands with black people. Right. And I stand with marginalized people. And yeah, I support them. I support them. You know, while simultaneously trying to distance themselves from the institution of white supremacy, while they're also still benefiting from the privileges of being white. Oh, it's man. It's a very tricky line. It really is. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm glad that I'm not white. <laughs> in that sense as of right now because uh, it's a it's a very tricky tough situation because i think for the first time things are really starting to be magnified in a in, in a way where it's not favorable to them all the time yeah you definitely know? and i think that there's a lot of empty activism that's being displayed by white liberals yeah of all genders and ages let me just say yeah. and um it feels like it's mainly driven by the desire to increase their social status or social capital. Right. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah. It's easy to have an outpouring of 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 anti-white supremacy talk on Facebook. It's easy to use the cool, snappy, trendy hashtags to show your support for marginalized people. Right. When the shine the signs of white supremacy are super overt. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's mm -hmm. a big sweeping, clear show of um denouncing like when the the um protest happened in north carolina in south carolina mm. like it's easy for a bunch of white people to come out and say oh well white supremacy it's so bad don't link us up with them i don't support those people yeah but it's a lot harder when racism isn't so clear and isn't so overt it, I, I absolutely it can get those lines can be very muddled for sure yeah Sweeping displays of overt white supremacy are easy to get behind for white people because they, they take no real commitment. It's easy to denounce Trump when he says some crazy, wild, racist shit that's unequivocally steep. Wrong in, in every in direction. Yeah. White supremacy, sexism, and ageism. It's easy to denounce those statements Absolutely. because... Duh, like it's obviously racist. Yeah. Like we're not asking a lot of you to commit to that. But no. also white liberals like to get behind those shows. Of, they like to get behind those uh, displays of denouncing white supremacy because it's evidence that they're this morally upstanding member mm -hmm. of society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's much harder to get behind denouncing white supremacy when it's not so clear mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or when maybe it interrupts your life maybe mm -hmm. when, it... when it's not very convenient right exactly <laughs> and slash maybe or when it's scary yeah it's and when you actually too. have to take some credibility or when you actually have to or kind of now maybe like what it is to actually be a minority and experience that which yeah. will slowly eventually i think is what is predicted for white people. And I for part sure. of that, I think, runs them in a way of, like, fear of whatever. But I think there's but, a lot of 
fear permeating. Abs- I mean, this country in right general, now. but Definitely. especially white people. And I think, honestly, as much as we all know what you and I stand for on the show and, you know, for politics and stuff, Trump is exactly what this country needed. Apparently, you know what it's 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 true. you know there is something yeah. to adm- I don't want to say admire about that, but like we can hate so much and talk so much, but I'm gonna get a little political here. There is a reason I believe in everything happening for a reason, and there is a reason why he's our president now, mm-hmm. and um, and it it is to kind of stir. Really, I think it's to stir everything up and make everything really messy because it has to get really messy before it gets clean. For sure. You know? And so it's going to be a period of a lot of discomfort and a lot of this, like, wokeness, apparently, by Ellen Pompeo and other, you know, I'm pretty sure other white people that are just kind of joining in. Like, oh, it's trendy now to be a woke white person. Let's do it. You know? (laughs) Trending now, being woke as a white person. like. sure. But I also feel like in the case of Ellen Pompeo and Morgan, uh, Morgan from The Root, I feel like when there are situations like this, I feel like the bar is set so high for people of color or marginalized people. For and sure. It's so low yeah. Yeah. for white people. In right. this particular case, mm-hmm. white women. Mm-hmm. And it feels like... It feels like we are taxed, we being people of color, marginalized people, we are we are expected to do the emotional labor of educating white people on where this racism is coming from, the real root of it, the fact that their ancestors set up our systems of government to be systemically racist. Those are harder points to swallow than... Oh, yeah, Ellen Pompeo, like, it's just lip service. You might think that she's saying all the right things, and she is technically saying Yeah, it sounds all, all very nice. Right things. But if at the core, that's coming from a place of, I'm just doing this to be woke, even though two years ago, I completely silenced the pain of black women in an attempt to defend myself. Yeah. That's where, to me, a problem... That's where, to me, the problem continues, and it's it's allowed to foster. I also say that, speaking from the experience of being in a lot of feminist spaces, mm. especially white, heavy ones, mm. and noticing that white feminists, I don't want to say all white feminists, but a lot of them are in those spaces what feels like to bond over their shared experiences of how the patriarchy has affected them. But because my experience as a black woman or as a person of color is different from theirs, oftentimes either our experiences are not validated the way that the experiences of people that look like them are, or they're not necessarily given the same uh, opportunity for exploration Mm. because it's so foreign to them that it's hard for them to sort of be willing to understand yeah. where someone that doesn't look like them have the same the have the yeah. same um, social level, well, class level, economic level, or education level is coming from. That makes me. I just wanted to take it back a little because you touched on something really interesting that was along the lines of you feel that it seems like it is up to us, us people of color, us marginalized groups 
to educate them on what we've gone through. I don't feel like it's on us. I feel like there's an expectation from white people put on us to educate, to educate them. them. I don't think it's our responsibility I see. whatsoever. Okay, okay, okay. But I think that there is this, this underlying feeling of, well, I don't understand, so can you make me understand? Mm. As opposed to they might not understand, stop. The same Google that I use is the same right. Google that you use. The same books that are available to me are available to you. Right. Educate yourself. I guess my only, I'm not trying, I'm just, you know, obviously rebuttaling here because I think that, let's say I'm a white person. Mm-hmm. I grew up very white in a white family, <laughs> <laughs> um, in, a, in a white city, in a white country, I guess you could say. How do you even be, which then, what bothers me about that, I'm going to jump around a little bit here as I find my footing. Um, (laughs) Clearly, obviously, can you guys tell? Uh, Which bothers me because this country is based on immigrants, Mm -hmm. is founded by immigrants. Mm -hmm. This country wasn't ours. We found it. We colonized it. Mm -hmm. Um, We took it. and so I just wonder, like, if I am, a, say, a white person and I grew up very white, like I just described, again, you don't know that you don't know that that is something you should be educated on. But a reflection of the country being founded and run by immigrants, not founded on, but, you know, run by like the backbone of this country is immigrants and it's really fucked up, essentially, because the government has set up a way where it doesn't. They don't want you to know, right? Mm-hmm. It's like all hush hush, and like we, right. we we totally welcome immigrants, but then we don't want you to be here. And then we have, all, you know, like it's it's really messed up. Um, and especially whatever Trump is doing now. Again, I think we've touched on upon this in other podcasts, but it, you're, again, it's like so now white people are slowly starting to understand that they need. To be woke in this area mm-hmm. and people like Ellen who are, I guess, magnified because of their celebrity status get either called out on or, you know, like have these ha- things happen to her on public, in public, on record. I guess what I'm saying is like, <laughs> what, what am I saying? I guess what I'm saying is like, yes, people have to get start getting woke. So I guess it's like, how do you become woke responsibly and sensitive to the, you know, sensitively with an approach of like, I'm white and I know I have privilege. So how do I begin to sound? And 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 I'm only I'm not defending them, but I can only imagine what it's like must be to be white and like want to feel like you want to become woke Mm -hmm. and be a part of this sort of. A movement, but not sound preachy in that, like, you have to, it's like you're treading on eggshells, you know? Like, right. They have to be very careful. It sounds like what you're asking is, how does one get educated on something that they don't know? Yeah. Is and, and, right. And then participate or partake in a movement that is so obvious. Okay. Because of Hollywood and yeah. new media and social media and news. So then how then do you navigate those waters of like, I want to be a part of this and I know I'm white and I know I've had privilege. So, you know, I'm sure there are people, white people who are going through that and wondering like and have been accused of like being and saying and doing things that they never were, never did just because they were white and they got lumped into it, you know? Right. So 
Yeah, essentially that. Like, I'm just playing a little, like, devil's advocate here. So, like, I have a couple of retorts to that. What it's like to be in their place for right. a moment or two during this now. <laughs> uh, so, I have a couple of answers for that. Uh, answer number one is you don't have to be an ally. Like, straight away, you don't have to do that. Mm. I think that if if you are someone who's like, well, my favorite songstress, Taylor Swift, is a feminist, that means I want to be a feminist. Mm-hmm. I never looked to celebrities and recording artists and... But we live in a society that, that really does. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we all have to. Right, 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 right. I didn't right. look to media to get my feminist views. No, I just think Generation Z does. But see, I think that's an ageist statement. Like, I disagree with that. And oh, I you do? Yeah. I think that's a little bit ageist because mm. we don't know. I mean, you know, someone could say, oh, well, our generation also looked to media, too. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that's a fair argument for every generation. That's true. I just I say that that's ageist because I think there's a lot of information out there. I think that Generation Z is at the forefront of gathering new information, yeah. of, of quickly disseminating it, very open minded ways of yeah. discovering the information that is out right. there. They're very outspoken. For Which sure. I think is a great thing. Right, 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 right. I totally think that's a great thing. I think I think I would start at the beginning, and I think that if you are finding yourself in a place where you feel like you have to be a part of the feminist movement or you have to be an ally because the media is telling you you have to, stop. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go on your Instagram and post Martin Luther King and Malcolm X quotes because you think it's the right thing to do. Mm. If you want to be a part of the movement, all movements start somewhere. Right. Learn about the movement. I mean, that's where I, that's where I started. Right, right, I started right, right. My right. feminist journey is I started at the beginning. Yeah. And sitting in rooms and listening to different feminist viewpoints, understanding, oh, feminism happened in waves. Yeah. There's this word womanism. Well, what does that mean? Sitting in the back and taking notes. Okay, I need to figure out what first wave feminism is, second wave feminism is, third wave feminism, whatever. What is womanism? How come African-American women didn't take to feminism when it first became a thing the way that white women took to feminism when Mm. it became a thing Mm. what were the pros and cons to feminism when it first started like I think that when I talk about educating I talk about sitting down reading the books getting familiar with the history Mm. I think if you're looking to just jump into the movement blind but you're looking to be a part of something without really knowing what that something is Is. or where that something came from, I think that is problematic. Yeah. If you're looking to jump in and hijack a movement for sake of your own status, that in and of itself to me is performative allyship. And that's problematic. And you're actually doing more harm than good. Right. People that jump in willy nilly without any sort of education on the topic, what you end up doing is silencing the people that you're trying to be or supposed to be an ally to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those would be my two my my two answers to your question. Okay. Got it. I just don't think that anyone can jump into any movement without knowing history. Yeah. And I also don't think that you have to make big sweeping displays of allyship either. Yeah, I agree. I, I, think, I think take your time, figure it out, feel it out, get educated like you said. I don't... I wonder what it is about these people that decide, for instance, maybe Ellen thinking that that, you know, it's like trendy or that it's just the thing they have to do to look good or. Well, I might even I could see Ellen's side being, look, I am close to the African-American community yeah. via my husband and via my kids. Yeah, I am 
associated with it and I should do my best to use my platform and my white privilege, she could be thinking of it actually as like making a sacrifice. Yeah. Which when you're talking about allyship, if you're willing to make a sacrifice via your privilege or via your status or via your platform, that's actually a good thing. Like we want people that are willing to put something on the line for sake of the movement. Sure. I just think that in Ellen's case, because of the history that she had with she, this particular writer on the route, because of the fact that there was no atonement mm-hmm. for the words that were said a couple of years ago. Yeah. I think it's also very common among white feminists to jump at the chance to defend themselves sure. as opposed to publicly taking a moment of taking pause. Responsibility. And, right. Like, and a, a lot of that too, I think is when things happen on a public forum, like Twitter, like Instagram, like how that <sighs> video from Netta Porter went right. viral. I think it's a natural human urge to want to defend oneself. Right. 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 I think a big part of this too is getting past call out culture and Mm -hmm. embracing call in culture, Mm -hmm. which I think speaking as a woman of color, it's very tempting to want to engage in call out culture. Yeah. It's very tempting to when you have someone in a, if you, when you have someone with such a platform like hers, it is tempting to go, hold on. Why did you do that? And say it in a public forum. Cause we want to, we want to know and we want to like pull apart your answer. We do. But I think we can't be scary members of the same party. I think to really embrace and, and get to a new level in the movement. Yeah. I think we've got to embrace pulling each other to the side quietly, privately. Let's yep. have this conversation on yep. a more meaningful level. Yeah. I understand some person's uh, views Disdain. on something like public shaming. We're like... Shame is a very strong, powerful human emotion. Call out culture. Part of that is shaming someone. Yeah. And amidst all of that, too, you know, we've talked about this a lot. And um, it's sad when it becomes like it feels like because of this situation, it becomes like a woman versus woman thing. Yeah. And that is precisely like you said, like going against exactly what we're kind of essentially also fighting for or or bond or like banding together you know the fact that in many cases it does because women again does become women versus woman or woman against woman is really sad yeah definitely i think that we should all be members of the same party yeah in this sense. Like, essentially like we're all on the same side here we are you know on different levels of wokeness or experiencing or background sure. or people in general but you know i think we always say like one love as well at the end of our podcast because of that but yeah, I think you're right. I think it's like taking a step back. I think especially because everything has gone public, you have an opportunity mm-hmm. to redeem or to at least say something or express yourself in a way where people will understand and forgive um, because you're human. For sure. Uh, and it it's sad that she didn't either they didn't or she didn't allow or give herself that opportunity, you know? I think that there is also a difference between impact and intent. Yeah, I think so as well. I think her intent was in a good place. I think the intention of what she wanted to say... But then it was just like, instead of actually just continuing with that intention, she was just reacting, right? And it felt extremely childish. Definitely, and that was the impact. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think... if. 
sad. Definitely. But I think on a larger scale, when we're talking about the feminist movement, especially white feminism versus intersectional feminism, one of the sheer benefits of being white is just being having the luxury to just be. Mm-hmm. And if you speak, if you have a, a small mishap, you speak out of turn, there is a bit of a feeling of, oh, my bad, just have an experience. Oops. That. Oops. I did it again. Yeah. Spoke without thinking. Uh, Oh, well. I'm just having a moment. Yeah. It's forgivable. But I think that those need to be acknowledged within white culture. And that's something that white women can do for each other. I agree. Yo, girl, you can't say that. Yeah. Like, girl to girl, feminist to feminist, that was uncool. Yeah. And it's those moments that I wonder if that's actually happening happening behind. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not definitely a world that... I am in every day just because I, I mean, I'm American and I have white friends, but I don't, I don't have like a ginormous group of white, like I'm a very ethnic, diverse surrounding, yeah. especially being in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it's like to just be in a room full of white women that are all my best friends or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and the white friends that I do have, I don't really see them necessarily always as white just mm-hmm. because they're my close friends. I just see them as people. people. Right. Um, but I wonder, you know, especially in these closed groups or very tight environments like Hollywood, um, if if that is something that because I, I I know what happens in the African American community sure. I know what happens in the Asian community sure. because there's so little of us mm-hmm. so when something like that happens I'm sure there's a text I'm sure there's an email I'm sure that's something like hey honey I saw what happened just want to say I support you but he blah blah you know like I know for a fact it happens and I've experienced that so it's it's I'm really glad that you touched upon that because. I wonder that too. And having, on the flip side, having a ton of white female friends and occasionally having those moments where something low-key racist or low-key sexist or low-key, um, really racist and sexist. Eh, Sometimes there's some, like, ageism, some, like, oh, she's an old woman, like, whatever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Especially women to women. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I do notice that in those groups of friends of mine, I am the first to step up. Like, I'm the first Uh, to step up and say something. Whereas, I'm the first to step up and everyone else might follow suit. Yeah. But I do wonder if I don't step up and say something, was anyone going to say anything? Yeah. You know what I mean? Fascinating. It's moments like that that I think need to happen more often. Yeah. Because I simply think that if you don't know, you don't grow. Sure. But also, I think that I think I've said this in a previous Ally episode. It's never comfortable and it's never easy. No. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think if you're looking for comfort within this sort of work and within this movement, you're a part of the wrong movement. Yeah. I think also if you're doing something for Instagram's sake, if you're doing something for sake of a pat on the back or applause, you're definitely performing all the wrong. Like you're doing it for a performative manner as opposed to... And to a certain degree, like, we can see right through it. Oh, we can feel it, you know? Like, yes, when, it's because it's not authentic. Mm-mm, you know what I mean? Me? Because it's, like, almost like you said, like, oh, if they've believed in it, and if they know this is, like, a cause that I'm fighting for, they think they're doing the right thing. Right. And for us, on the other hand, being, like, we're just, like, filled with question marks, mm-hmm. you know? Like, mm-hmm. what is happening? Why are you doing this? Right. You know? And... 
and um, the, it, it, there's a lot to be questioned. But like I said, like I feel like those black girls could see right through her. And Definitely. that's why they called her out. But the reality of like white people in power is that white people in power listen to other white people in power. For you know sure. what I mean? Yeah. What Ellen Pompeo said, obviously, like, it's technically correct, but black women have been saying that shit for years. Years. Just because she's a famous actress doesn't make her point any more valid than the millions of black women, famous, not famous, and somewhere in between, Mm -hmm. that came before her. Yeah, I agree. Another thing that kind of grinded my gears with her statement, and I noticed that white people like to do this when they are addressing their own kind white people don't like to use the word white white that's the only instance where i feel like white people like to use the word caucasian Mm. as if to soften the blow Mm. of this institution that they themselves are either benefiting from and their ancestors helped create Mm. do you know what i mean i uh, completely agree i don't think i've necessarily paid attention but i do know they have a tendency to like there, some of them are afraid to say black. You yeah, know? like when like, it comes to conversations of race, I I recognize it in white people. All of a sudden, the political correctness hat is put on. And yeah. Secured t- oh, for sure. And they don't want to <laughs> step out of it, you know? No. Like, for sure, especially with with Asians, too. They, like, they're afraid to say Chinese or Japanese cause, or Korean because they don't really even know necessarily right. what I am or what they are. Correct. So they'll just say Asian or and they're afraid to ask, mm-hmm. you know, which which is like uh, you should ask because then you should know. And don't be afraid to be wrong in public because you just don't know. Right. And I've had more and more people come up to me recently being like, what's the difference between like Japanese and Chinese and Japanese? Like they've been like, I just I like I can't tell. I don't know. And like some are very just like like honest, mm-hmm. like maybe like some Latinos who like. I and I've also been like, well, I can't always tell the difference between always like Puerto Ricans or Guatemalans or Hondurans because that's just like I am not Latino right. in that sense. Right. Um, so and like on that level, like I've been able to bond with some people that are, it are, but those people are like literally in the same exact position that I am. Mm-hmm. But what's when it's a white person asking, like out of trivia, yeah, or like, do you really want to know? Mm-hmm. You know, or like. Like you said, like they get very careful because they know that anything that they say that like slips, you know, like they don't want to play that race card. But you've been playing it your whole life. Right. Definitely. (laughs) And then also that that extra walking on eggshells is more for y'all than for us. Yeah. Like that's just to preserve your own. Like I've had people straight like I've been saying something about black people and I like I'll say like, oh, yeah, like she's black or something. And I've had white people straight up be like, you can't say that. And I'm like. Why? Oh, because you feel like you can't say that, so then I can't right. say that? <laughs> right. I, I right. can say it. Definitely. Like, I can say I'm yellow because I'm yellow. Like, <laughs> like, like you know, and then Check like... the podcast Right. <laughs> like, and I think they get so scared because they, to a certain degree, feel guilty and know that that doesn't... They, they maybe don't have a right for whatever reason. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear you. Right on the right. I also just feel like white people like like to acknowledge publicly white guilt, but your acknowledging of white guilt somehow when white people acknowledge white guilt, I feel like they're like 
I, I have white guilt. I'm pass, pass it on. Like I'm acknowledging <laughs> this thing that exists within our community. Now it's your problem. Help me out of it. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. No, it's it's actually not my issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't need to help you out of shit. I have way more things that I've been dealing right. with since birth. Right. Like, and to help you, you're only coming through. into your white guilt in your late twenties or your thirties or your four. Some now they're sixties. But yet still benefiting from white privilege. Yeah. Like that's the that's the. That's the cycle that white people are often are often trapped in, and I can understand why they're so frustrated. When, it is when people like us come along and 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 mock performative white allyship. Yeah, and and they can't really say much to us because I feel like we've lived it, we've experienced it, and I don't think it's every white person's fault the way that no. the country is the condition that the country's in, and the way things that have happened. But what I will say is that every single white person has a opportunity and has a, essentially a little stand underneath them to make the change happen because they are white. Right. right? I also do feel like white people sometimes look at race as like a zero sum game. Whereas marginalized people, we look at it as like baby steps. Little by little, we'll get there. Yeah. And up the ladder we go to yeah. try and, um, spurn on change right whereas i feel like there are some white people that are like oh well you guys have president obama so like you got you know we're post oh i see black president racism no longer exists so i can still go on with my white life uh spouting microaggressions that i veil Mm, as interesting just a funny joke or just a question. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think, I don't, I think it's forever changed. I think we're officially on this path of like, like a, a, an extreme, volatile, messy, crazy path. And it's, I think it's going to go from like zero to a hundred, mm-hmm. very extreme. But this past year was insane with the amounts from like the Me Too to right. the Time's Up to Harvey to all, to, all these people just like back to back. I don't think I think that has I think the doors have officially opened in that sense. And um, I don't I have this feeling. This is what my intuition is telling me is that there really is no turning back. And those that okay. do decide to turn back and want to revert to their old ways and mm-hmm. don't want to grow or see that this thing is like in their face constantly about being educated and all being on each other's side and and I mean, there's always going to be an issue about race and religion because this is what the country was founded on. Right. It's almost like I feel like the country's like karma to deal oh, with. Oh, okay, yeah. And that, like when you go to other countries, you see some other countries have like civil war for like hundreds of years that's because true. that's what the country was founded on, mm-hmm. you know? So um, I, I just have this intu- – my intuition is telling me that there is no turning back and that the people who resist that change mm-hmm. are going to struggle a lot more than the people who embrace it and decide to like figure it out or go and deal with it on a day-to-day basis. That's just like where I'm at right now. I totally hear you. Yeah. I don't know if I agree that we're that some people feel like we're at a point of no return. Hmm. I don't know if I fully agree with that. Yeah. And I think I only feel like that because there's We've ha- we've been in like an ebb and flow pa- place with race forever, ever. But specifically, ever since Barack got Barack's first term, ever since Barack uh, got elected, something happened within the black community, and I feel like a shift happened within the white community where uh-huh, people uh-huh, that uh-huh. thought were people that harbored racist views went sort of back into their 
bubble of white racism because uh, it wasn't cool or safe to be racist. Like the people right. that still harbored racist views didn't stop being racist. No, they not just at all. realized that it wasn't a cool climate to spout their racist. And bullshit. then they got like rewarded by with Trump. And then when Trump came back, it was yeah. like, oh, see, mm, told you, like, yeah, 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 back to being racist. Yeah. And I'm just skeptical that those people are have been eradicated. Like, I, I think, <laughs> or they need to be eradicated. They need to be eradicated <laughs> because. Because those yeah, movies... no, uh, they do. I mean, I'm a first. Look, let let me quote a white man. Go ahead. Because I still think I I love he's great, and he's, he said a lot of things that I may not disagree with. But there's but there's one thing I do agree mm-hmm. is when Joe Rogan said that he's fi- a favor for thinning the herd, and I'm all about that. Is. It's it was like a great line in one of his episodes. Um, He's like four hour long episodes. Um, but he was like, I'm all about that. I think maybe he was like interviewing Eddie Huang. And I was like, the probably the only reason why I was like listening to it. Got it. Because I love Eddie. Uh, he was like, I'm all about thinning the herd. I was like, hey, I'm all about thinning the herd too. If I could like pick an area where all these people could just like, boop, I would do it. I get that. You know, like for the sake of (laughs) for humankind to expand and grow in the direction that we all know is the way to go. But, hey, there has to be darkness and light. And that's the ultimate battle. Yeah, it's true. I mean, white people do not like when you come for their shows of solidarity. Oh, we're coming. We're coming. (laughs) White people do not like when you do it. No. We're doing it. Yeah. So, how can someone figure out if they are perf- being a woke ally? Exactly. So, what do you think is our call to action for this episode? I think that our call to action should be examining if your allyship is performative. Oh, I see. And I think that I have a couple of points to sort of usher you along in that way. Uh And I feel like that should be our call to action because I feel like as human beings, it's much easier to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not. That's not what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah. And if you if you err on that side, uh, side, then you're never going to grow and change. Mm -hmm. So I think point number one is figure out what your driving force is to be an ally. And if that driving force is validation, then you're doing it for performative reasons. Yeah. If you're looking for that pat on the back. Yeah. That acknowledgement of like, you're a good person. White people love acknowledgement. Yeah, they do. Love acknowledgement. (laughs) Um, You're doing it for other reasons. And on that same line, it's not up to you to say that you're an ally. Let the people who you are being an ally to, let them decide. Oh, I love that. I never really... That's essentially the feeling that I was having, but it was. But when you phrase it like that, it's really well. Where it's like, you just do what you do. Do that authentically, and the if you're doing it authentically, the people that you want to support will acknowledge you right. authentically as totally. well when the time is right. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that time is not immediately when you first start being a part of... And you can't demand it either. You know, like, look at me, 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 me. Like, look what I'm saying. Look, right. look, look, look. Like, right. give me five stars. It's like... Definitely. No, no. <laughs> For sure. A hundred percent. I think I think I've said this a little bit earlier in the show. Um, don't hijack the movement. Mm. And don't hijack the movement specifically if you have a savior complex of some sort. Yeah. That's not allyship is not for you yeah 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 you know what i mean yeah we're here to uplift the oppressed yeah not stroke 
your ego Mm -hmm. or make you feel like I have done something to create positive and effective change in the world. Look at me go. Right, right. (laughs) By just speaking some words. Versus actual action. Right, exactly. And actual action doesn't have to be big, grand, public shows of support. It can be as simple as donating to the ACLU. Yeah. Maybe showing up at a local protest in your area where maybe some sort of injustice has happened to a marginalized group of people and you simply want to be there and show your support. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Don't mm -hmm. take a picture and put it on Instagram with a snappy hashtag. Yeah. Because if that's why you're there for the likes and for the the photo for the gram, right? You're doing it for all the, the wrong reasons. reasons. I feel you for sure. Yeah, I think talking less and listening more is oh, always. Oh man, can you say that one more time, sister? Talk less, listen more. <sighs> just, just say less. Relish in that a little bit. Yeah, just say less. We I know. everyone has an opinion. We get it. And mm-hmm. like in this age of social media and platforms, it's and easy all that to stuff, it's addicting. Yeah, it's really easy to buy into this idea that your opinion is super valid and it needs to be shoved down. Yeah, gotta shove it down our throats. Right. Yeah. But if you're speaking up over the people that are being oppressed, all you're doing is silencing the oppressed. Right. And uplifting your own voice. Yeah. And if you're an ally in the movement, quote unquote ally in the movement, mm-hmm. assuming that like you've given yourself that title, but <laughs> <laughs> the marginalized group has not, um, you're essentially silencing their stories for your own self gain. Uh-huh. So be, be aware of that. Yeah. Of like, again, like what your intention is with that and right. like the impact that it can have. Be for very sure. clear if it's coming from ego or actual truth and mm-hmm. um goodness for sure. yeah big difference um realize and recognize that respectability and relatability are conditions that allyship is built on mm. if you are only a part if you're showing up at protests and conversations and you are only engaging with people that look like you have a similar education background similar social s- status but you're not connecting with the people that are totally opposite from you yeah for whatever reason, either it's because you feel like you, they don't look like you, so you can't connect to them, or maybe right. you feel like they're going to give you the cold shoulder, or uh-huh. maybe they're very much a white thing. Their lives are so painful, I just can't take on that pain. I just can't <laughs> understand it. Those are the people that you should be gravitating towards, yeah. as opposed to being repelled away from them because it's just too uncomfortable, mm-hmm. it's just too hard. I um, I think I said this earlier in the episode, embracing call in culture as opposed to call out culture. Yeah. I feel like this more goes to the oppressed group. I can, speaking as a black woman, mm-hmm. it's very tempting to when a white liberal has a slip up, it's very tempting to want to jump down their throats it, yeah. and make them answer for this mistake. Yeah. How dare you? Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah, exactly. Everybody. I, I think like you said, like, yes, a lot of it is you know white people understanding where they're coming from and what this movement really is about but there's also things that we people of color marginalized groups minorities can also really be a certain way that can also help it's true you know like it's not i'm not saying it's our fault or their i'm saying we can help each other in that sense Mm -hmm. of where we're coming from just the slightest difference the slightest shift can make a huge impact right on whether it is you call out or call in or react or don't react or the choices of words 
that you use and yeah. type, you know? It can really make a difference. For sure. And if you are in an ally circle and you see someone getting called out in a visceral way that's uncomfortable even for you as a, as a witness, you can always stand up for that person. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, it takes two. And I don't Absolutely. think that calling someone out and just allowing someone to be berated in a public setting because they had a simple slip of the tongue is the way to go. I agree. I don't think that's conducive to growth in in a lot of cases. Right. I think exactly. that's just ego versus ego. For sure. And it's all, I mean, ultimately we're all humans here. Like we all make mistakes. Yeah, yeah, Let's absolutely. Lift each other up as opposed to put each other down. And finally, check yourself. Before you wreck yourself. Checking yourself before you wreck yourself is always a great way to uh, go. Always. As a marginalized person, I'm not going to call you out. I'm going to call you in. But as someone who wants to be an ally, if you fuck up or you speak out of turn, it's very tempting to defend yourself. But it's even bigger of, of you to just publicly, you know what? My bad. Yeah. My white privilege, my gender privilege, yeah. my age privilege right. had me saying that. I now realize that's not the right thing to say and it won't happen again. Mm -hmm. kind of I agree. Really I think taking responsibility is huge in this on both sides. Right. Super important. For and sure. it can it can really smooth things out. Right. Um, it's already a, a very sensitive, rocky, maybe tense situation in general. So being careful and choosing your words wisely and coming from a place of non-reactive and honesty and responsibility like i said i think can really smooth it out and make it to where both people can learn right. and see the human and the humanity in each other versus I color like, i feel like had ellen pompeo done that we would have embraced her in yeah. this netta porter video with open arms right had she maybe said in a public way yeah look two years ago whew, my white woman privilege really got the best of me right. i learned i have grown my bad yeah but dot 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 right. We would have maybe been a little bit more willing mm -hmm. to take her in and accept the apology. Totally. I absolutely that agree. that didn't happen. It was a lot harder to start because you, then you're starting from your past experience of that. Yeah. Because I think it's also easy to be like, oh, yeah, that was in the past. Let me just not shed light on it and, and act Black like people, people no, forgot. Yeah, we, no, yeah, oh, no. We didn't forget. No. Black people, we don't forget, no, honey. Don't. We don't forget. We will let you know yeah. when you fucked up two years ago. And we will continue to let you know until you apologize for yeah. that fuck up two years ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But all those things said, 2019, you wanted, if you want a resolution, if you are a white person looking to really right the wrongs of white folks everywhere, mm -hmm. um... Feel free to, to put performative wokeness in the past. Be an ally to those who are trying to end performative wokeness. Yes, I agree. And that's the show. That's the show. That's new year, new you, new do, <laughs> new boo. Yeah. I like it. Anyways, I'm just, I'm just rhyming. I also want to be a rapper secretly in my dreams. Jackie's going to try and be a rap star in 2019. She's going to uh, chase that dream. We are. Uh, <laughs> anyways, guys, this episode was produced by Christian at Zeitheist. We are also on the gram at Black and Yellow Podcast. I am Jacqueline Chung Young on the gram. I am Alana Webster at Renegade of Fun on the gram. Yep. We are also on Apple iTunes and Spotify. Yep. Feel free to subscribe. Leave us a little rate, rate and review, review while we're there. It Let helps us, us to mm -hmm. garner sponsorship and monetize the shows so that we can continue to bring you shows like this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. We will see you next time, guys. Thank you, guys. Have Bye. a good one. Bye.